This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Welcome back in season six of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and it is an honor to have you with us in this space today. Uh, we created Leading Second and this podcast, of course, uh, for all of us who lead from the middle. If you have a heart to see the vision of your church move forward, you want to hold your pastor's arms up, you want to serve well in church life, Leading Second is for you. So welcome home today. And you know, in life, when you meet those people who you just instantly connect with, you came from completely different backgrounds, your story doesn't look anything alike, yet God did such a similar work in you. It's like you meet someone who speaks the same language as you and who sees life and ministry and the kingdom of God like you do. Uh, I am so excited to welcome one of those new friends to the podcast today. Manny Arango is joining us for an important conversation. Uh, we had him at Team Church Conference this year, and I got a chance to catch up with him on the sidelines. And man, I love Manny. I love his heart. I love his ministry perspective. Of course, he's a brilliant communicator, and you're going to get to hear from him today on all things leading second. I'm so excited for this day. But first things first, I want to say a big thank you to Tithely for helping make this season of the Leading Second Podcast possible. If you want to grow and increase the generosity of your church, I want to encourage you to check out Tithely. Tithely offers free online giving tools that make it simple for your church members to tithe and give digitally. I, I love their mobile giving, their text to give, even their reporting options are really great. It's a great dashboard for you and your church is giving. Uh, churches who use Tithely see a direct increase in the giving capacity of their church. And I want to encourage you to check them out if you uh, would be in the place where you want to see that move forward. Head to tithely.com and uh, they are a great partner for you and your church's stewardship. Okay, so to give honor where honor is due today, Manny Arango is joining us on the podcast. Uh, Manny is the teaching pastor at Social Dallas. Uh, he is the creator of the ARMA Courses as well as the author of a book called Brainwashed. It's a brilliant book. Overcome Toxic Thoughts and Take Back Control of Your Mind. He is brilliant. He is smart. He is funny. And you're going to enjoy this conversation today. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Manny Arango. Manny, welcome. Yo. Leading Second Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I am like equally glad that this, I'm here. This is an honor. This is an honor. And I have like silently stalked you for, uh, for a long time. And then like my 29th friend 
you know, came around and said, do you know Manny yet? And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, we're, we're doing this. So, um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being a new friend. Thanks for investing into our tribe today. No problem. Um, it is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. And, uh, I'm, I'm hopefully I got something good to say, you know, of course you do. hopefully I got some nuggets. Of course you um, do. But I'm pumped to be on. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I respect what you're doing in ministry. Thank um, you. maybe give everybody a little bit of a, um, you know, view into your world, your, okay. your teaching pastor. Yep. I feel like I do like 15,000 things. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I am the teaching pastor at Social Dallas, amazing church. I've been there for about uh, a little less than two years. Mm. Um, the church is only... The church is couple just years. over two years yeah. old. Yeah. So we turned two on Easter mm. of 2023. And um, pastors Robert and Taylor Madu are my pastors. And... Uh, I love, I love our house. I love our church. Um, and, but so I preach about maybe four to six times a year. Mm. Um, but then I travel a ton. So like 40 ish, 45 Sundays out of the year, I'm like on the road traveling, preaching. Yep. Yep. And then we have an online community of Bible nerds. Um, it's amazing. 2020 felt like everybody and their mother wanted to deconstruct. I jumped into a doctoral program so that we can actually answer some oh difficult gosh, questions that people have. Yeah. Um, and we started a platform called Arma and uh, started in our garage with two cameras. And today we're just under 3,000 monthly subscribers. Praise so God. Like, watch our courses. You're about to pick up another one with my wife. She heard you teach this week at our yeah. team church conference and she's like i'm in i'm i he i we, we respect your depth i mean you obviously have a speaking gift and that's yeah. wonderful it's effective certainly um but m the second you started teaching we we really saw how you'd been faithful with the word oh wow you know you're 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 studious so yeah you've you're gonna have our credit card later today uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, you know i think good communicators are a pool sure so it's like there's got to be something on the shallow end yeah. but it's like if there's no deep end then that's disappointing so it's like but we don't just want to launch like we just throw people in the deep end and start yeah. giving greek and hebrew for all types of stuff it's so so those are kind of like the three things i do and they all kind of flow with each other nicely beautiful um with the stuff that we've been doing online with arma helping christians to get biblically literate and like grasp theological concepts we then kind of, Pastor Robert invited me to like start doing some of that like with our local church. So Amazing. Like, literally this month we'll film like a foundation series like me and Pastor Robert to like help people get biblically literate like in our church. I'm just going to say this because I no doubt there's, there's, you know, young leaders listening that may have an ambition to do something, you know, you know, parachurch or on the road or, or, or yeah. whatever. I, I find so much similarity in what you're saying because that's the reason we started Leading Second. Leading Second was not like we're bored or we're, yeah. we're, or we're trying to get speaking engagements yeah. or yeah. whatever. It, it started with a need. There's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. Which which to me is Matthew 9, 36. Jesus saw the crowds harassed and helpless. Like, like Jesus sees needs. He sees yep. leaders harassed and helpless. Yep. He sees deconstructors harassed. Yep. And his response is pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers yeah. raised up to meet the needs. So anyways... Leading second is just an extension of things I felt like my pastor wanted to say. Yeah. And and we use it here. And yeah. I, I, I wish more people, this is just total sidebar. I just wish more people in ministry who wanted to be used in that route understood the power of being grounded in a local church and having to be an extension of what God is doing in yep. your 
yep. in your local house. Starting in 2019, we started doing about 70 speaking engagements a year. And so at that point, church for a lot of traveling evangelists or people who are itinerant, itinerant church becomes optional, which to me is the most hypocritical thing yes. in the world because you're making a living mm-hmm. off of Christians yep. who are like, streaming the music or buying the books or listening to the podcast or subscribing to the platform. So we're making a living, we're feeding our families off of the church, but then like not being a part of that church. And so um, it's funny, like people always say to me, like, it's so dope that like you're at a church and I'm like, there's no other real option for me. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. W- like, what are we talking about? I need someone to tell me to shut up. Yep. I need somebody to tell me, like, when I'm wrong. I remember one of the first times I preached at social, right in between services, like, in between the 9 and 11.30, we had, like, you know, a, a, a break where we turn over one service and right. get ready for the next one. And Pastor Robert came back to the green room, and in 10 minutes was like, hey, don't ever say that again. Hey, <laughs> this should be there. Hey, the, and... I think when people listen to me, they're like, oh my gosh, like, Pastor Manny, I think you're a good communicator. And I'm like, yeah, you, you're not aware of all the difficult conversations mm. that help me to be a great communicator. And sure, I, I could do a lot on my own, but submitting my life to a pastor, yes. having someone that me and my wife can go to for counsel, tithing, like actually like giving to the local church caring about something that's bigger than me, man, that stuff's good for your soul. Yep. That's that. It's not just good for your career. That stuff is like good for your soul. And to me, I'm just like, what church would my kids go to? Yep. Like, like, what do you mean not be planted in a church? So we love the house that we get to be a part of. Well, and you, speaking of your family, you have, you're married and you have a, a miracle story. Oh man. Yeah. With your son. Yeah. My wife, me and my wife have been married almost 10 years uh, struggled with infertility for five years, and uh, we have a miracle boy. His name is Theophilus. That's amazing. I gave him the nerdiest Bible name I could find. <laughs> One day, man, like inevitably, like in this college years, he's gonna try to go to the club, and some club owner is gonna be like, Theophilus, bro, get at, go to the library. Like your name <laughs> with this name, you belong in the library. Okay, so is it like like a day like it's it's Tuesday morning? It's a normal day. Is it Theo or is it? I call is it come over here Theophilus? Like is it is it I tend to call him Theophilus. Awesome. My wife calls him Theo. Okay, he responds okay. to both. Okay. But like I call him Theo 50-50. Okay. okay. But I want him to like <laughs> like the I want him to it's be so like good. I'm Theophilus. It's so good. It's so amazing. I love it. Okay. Well, we we love you. We respect you. We're calling you a part of our tribe, whether you like it or not. We just I'm in. We, we we collect friends under even if it's guilt of manipulation, we will do it. So, um, you're in and, um, we, we started talking right before we recorded and then I just made you shut up because like, let's just save it for the, for the, <laughs> yeah. for the thing. So maybe I just want to start with why are you at your church? Okay. And, and you've, you know, you're not from there. You, you, you obviously went there to start the church. Um, do you feel called to be there or is this just like, I know, I know where you're going to go with this, but yeah, like, yeah. like decide, help us decide for like, how did you end up where you're at the church you're at? Why are you there? I think that right now in church world, and this is not necessarily a negative thing. So I don't, I don't want to paint it as if it's a negative thing and I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sure. However, we have HR'd 
the calling process. Mm. So like, it's so true. We have just rounds of interviews, get my resume, like, you know, call up Vanderblumen or like <laughs> group 139 or whatever. And I'm yeah. not saying God's not in those processes. Agreed. He is. But so let me tell you before I even got to Dallas, I moved from Boston to North Carolina. Mm. And I I moved because I asked myself this question. What I was on staff at a church in Boston. Getting I was 22 years old on staff. There's a church I'd grown up in. Um, but then I asked myself, what church? Because in your 20s, money is not the thing that's important. I was single. Mm. Who cares about money? What church would I just attend? Yes. Very good. If if I could attend any church in America. What church would I attend? So I packed up everything I owned, put it in my Honda Civic, and drove to North Carolina and started working at Nordstrom selling women's shoes. I, I sold women's shoes at Nordstrom. Are you serious? I have done it. It's, it's, it oh my gosh, one of the worst friends. experiences of my life. <laughs> but that's, that's a whole nother podcast episode. So it's amazing. Um, I have done that. Yeah, I sold women's shoes at Nordstrom. Did that for like <laughs> eight months. So one day my pastor comes in and he goes, Hey, what are you doing on Tuesday? And the only correct answer to that question is, whatever you need me to do. Hmm. So I like, you know, I don't, I think I like call out of work. I, I go to his office. And, and so I called out so many times for oh, ministry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I actually told my boss that I was anointed. <laughs> this is for real, for real. I, like That's I kept amazing. asking for Sundays off. That's and amazing. I, and I was like, but I'm anointed. And my, <laughs> my supervisor literally looked at me and went, you're annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about anointed, but you are certainly <laughs> annoying. Okay, so, sorry, sorry. So we meet on Tuesday and he says, um, hey, like, would love for you to be the youth pastor. Like, you've been, you just, you've been mm. at the church for the last, like, seven, eight months. We love you. Obviously, you know, you worked at my dad's church. Like, yeah. I, I know you. Like, I've known, at, at that time, I'd known that pastor since I was 11 years old. So I wasn't, like, a stranger. Yeah. But... Man, if there was anyone I wanted to mentor me, it was Pastor Andy Thompson. So moved to North Carolina. And um, I just so so I say all that to say this. I just said yes. Mm. Do you want to be the youth pastor? Yes. So I remember leaving. I get on the phone with my fiance at the time. I'm like, I got a job like at, at World Overcomers Christian Church. I got, I got a job. I got my dream job. Her first question, how much money are they paying you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Amazing. I, I do not know. I'll find out when I get my first check, I guess. Well. And I think we've created this culture mm. of let me negotiate my salary. Yep. Let me treat this like a career. Let me position myself in the market of churches. And I'm not saying that interview processes aren't good. A good interview process actually weeds out people who shouldn't be a part of the organization, but there's a little bit of like, yep. it's hard to hear the Holy spirit when someone's offered you like 90 grand and in health insurance. And like, like I think there's a little bit of like, I think we just got to get back to 100%. I'm called here. Yep. I'm called here. Whether you guys ever give me a paycheck, I'm called here. I'm called to be at this church. I'm called to sit under your leadership. I'm called to, like to to be connected to you as a person. Yes. Whether that means helping with the dry cleaning or taking over the youth group, I'm called because the reality is that we will face disagreement. 
Yes. There will be tension. Yes. We will have conflict. And the moment there's conflict, the salary ain't keeping me here. You, you have the, to have the place to go back to. The, the only thing that's going to anchor me when there's conflict is I heard, I know that I heard from the Lord. Yes. When I was in Boston, Massachusetts with a direct deposit and God said, North Carolina. And I packed up everything I owned and I started working at Nordstrom. So same thing then happened with Dallas. Uh, you know, 2021 hits. We are a full-time itinerant. We're self-employed. Like we're, we're love and yeah. life. Yeah. We, the gift of God on my life and, and the anointing and the grace that's on our ministry allowed me the privilege to create my own schedule and do to like literally not have to work anywhere. And so a church reached out, se several churches reached out and offered me like a full-time salary with health benefits to move to their church and essentially become a teaching pastor. Six to eight Sundays a year, really light responsibilities for really great salary, health benefits, awesome. Felt zero peace. Mm. I'm in Dallas speaking somewhere else, not for Pastor Robert, speaking somewhere else. He had, they had just launched a church. We go out for dinner. We, we went bowling, went out for dinner. And he said, hey, I actually want to offer you the same job, same job description, same exact uh, title, but for zero dollars. Oh my god. Like gosh. we just launched a church. Sure. Like, sure. This is like, like we're we'll say staff, but it it's not like a paid yes, yes. staff. Like, like, and immediately faith came alive in me. Someone was offering me 70 grand to go do the exact same job over here. Pastor Robert's offering me relationship and covering and connection. And I immediately went, Yeah, I'm not called to do that. It doesn't matter so what good, number Manny. is is on the the job offer. I feel called to do this. Yeah. And I know that I'm called to do it because faith came alive when, when he started talking about it. Yep. I'm excited about this. I, I I know that the next level of maturity in my life is dependent upon me like being in this yeah. church and being under the, your covering and having you as a mentor and as a as yeah. a pastor in my life. And so I I've Personally, personally, I have just never treated ministry like it's a career. Thank God, yeah. And I think when we first just get past, well, am I called? Am I making a calling decision or a clout decision? Yes. Am I making a calling decision or a comfort decision? Yep. Am I making a calling decision or a convenience decision? Because calling is typically uncomfortable, inconvenient, and is not going to lead to like, it's going to be the opposite of clout chasing. There's yeah. going to be conflict. And so if I'm called, then now I calling comes with an assignment. I'm not here because there's an opportunity. I'm here because there's an assignment. So what is the assignment? How long is that assignment going to last? Mm. What am I here to actually accomplish? What's the goal? And I think that if there's a clear call, it, it helps. Beautiful. It helps everything else. We are 11 and a half years into being volunteer staff. Yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> it's as sexy as it sounds, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, ha has our church supported our ministry? Absolutely. Like, like has, has some of that been there? Absolutely. But not at the beginning. Yeah. Same, it it same. was like five, six, seven years of just, just 
where do you need me? Yes. Almost that same, the same thing that made me want to call out a Nordstrom for ministry is the same thing. I was like, I'd I'd rearrange anything Yeah, just to, just to help my pastor. So thank God for your perspective. Let me ask you this just open-ended question. What are you seeing about second chair leaders right now? Mm. You know, what, what, what is some of that? You are like hardcore. And I have been for a really, really long time. And it's like, I think we gotta like recapture the joy of like Kelly yes. Rowland. Mm. We need Kelly Rowlands. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly's Kelly's awesome, but at some point Kelly's like, I, I'm 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 gonna be second chair to Beyonce because mm. it's freaking Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. and it takes a lot of confidence to know, like, I'm Kelly. I'm awesome, and I and I can. You know how much confidence it takes to be around Beyonce? You know what sure, I'm saying? Sure, like, sure. like for real. Like, I always tell people I have the best job and the worst job in the whole world. Mm. Worst job in the world. I have to preach for Robert Madu. That yeah. is like the worst job ever. Yeah, that's rough. Like, <laughs> the man is a what I would consider a flawless communicator, a perfect communicator. He's great. I gotta like fill in for this guy. People fly in to be at church on Sunday. You know what I mean? Imagine the 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 the, the disdain when like <laughs> someone, anybody other than Robert Mendu steps up to the platform. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I drove here from Austin, Texas. You not know? not one person showed up for you today. You know? You know, like or that's how it not one person showed up for me. <laughs> Let's make that very, very clear. Yeah. And if I were insecure, yeah. that would crush me. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I didn't have some kind of like bedrock foundational confidence, that would crush me. So I think we need like, you know, we need Scottie Pippen. We need Kelly Rowland. Like we, we need people. That's a good, like, I'm almost scared mm. that like every other person I talk to in the Christian world is like, I'm going to go plant a church. I'm going to go. It's, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with pioneering, but golly, you're, you're, you're telling me you can't go find a Michael Jordan. Mm. You're saying you can't find a Beyonce. You're, you're telling me that there's no one that you can go support. There's no one you feel called to, to like hold up their arms and like help them lead. So I, I think that social media has allowed us to create brands of ourselves. That's so true. And I think there's a challenge in it because I think we can easily become, like we can start buying into our own hype. Yep. And I think it's sober to go, man, I, and, and I've I'm not until this moment had I ever thought about comparing Robert Madu to Beyonce ever in my life, but <laughs> That's you know, it may, hey, happen. It's, it may it's, happen right here. It's recorded like, right now. Like, man, there's something that I think is compelling in saying, yo, like I, all of my gifts and everything about me can totally shine. Um, and guess what? When Kelly Rowland comes out with an album, Beyonce posts about it, and that's good mm. for sales. You know, mm. so nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. Let me ask you. Obviously, second chair leaders need to be skillful. They need to be good at their job. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, it's it's pretty pretty obvious. Skill is helpful in ministry. Please please be good at what you've been asked to do. But that's not the only thing that's needed from a second chair yeah, yeah, no. leader. What are some of the other, okay. the dynamics that run alongside that? Because I just think that one gets so much focus and it is important, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's others. For sure. Emotionally intelligent. 
I think there's a lot of, I think there's tons of things. Okay. Before we even started, Matthew 25, like came to mind. And there's Mm -hmm. like a nugget in Matthew 25. It's like the parable of the talents, right? Uh, In, in, in Matthew, it's like, it's bags of gold. So, right. Right. Um, and the master gives different amounts to different leaders with different capacity. But I want to hone in on uh, the leader who gets the least amount. Okay. The, this is verse 24 of chapter 25. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where where I did not scatter seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So here's what the master's challenging. He's challenging the narrative that the servant has adopted for how he sees the leader. I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you to be a hard man. Yep. Okay, let's examine the, the other two servants. Neither of them have this narrative yeah. about yeah. the leader, wow. which means three people could be experiencing the same person mm. and two people go, he's generous. Man, like wow. he's, he's incredible brilliant mm. visionary and one person go it's a hard guy hard mm. hard person to work for the, it, this is kind of like why i like f1 okay i've gotten into f1 because of netflix okay <laughs> netflix has done this like you know <laughs> this net this f1 thing have you been watching this at all no, no. oh it is incredible <laughs> it is incredible here's the really cool thing each team has two drivers Okay. So the Mercedes-Benz team has two drivers and two cars. Okay. The cars are identical. Okay. The Ferrari team, two cars, two drivers. So 10 teams, each team, two cars, 20 cars total. The cool thing about having two identical cars means that the drivers can never blame the car mm. for why they're not winning races. So, so on the Mercedes team, okay, <laughs> if Lewis Hamilton is finishing in first place, <laughs> and you have the same car as him. You have the same pit crew as him. You have the same, and you have everything's the same. Wow. The only thing that makes the difference here is your ability to steward the vehicle that the team so has good. now given you. Here's what Matthew 25 says. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because the victim in us wants to go, you're a hard man. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I was unsuccessful because you didn't trust me enough or you didn't platform me or you didn't give me enough opportunity or you were too hard on me or you stuck me in a department that was doomed or you did this or you did blah, 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 whatever the excuse is. And then everyone else just goes, that's not what I think about the same person you're talking about. Mm. We actually, we got the same car, we got the same team and I'm over here finishing races and, and you're not. And so I go, oh, I've been on enough church staffs to know that the pastor is the same person. 
Yes. There are people who are like, you know, at, at, at every church I've worked at, man, it's just so cool to see you and our pastor's relationship. And I go, okay, like, what are you trying to get at? Man, I wish I had a relationship with him like that. And I go, this is back when I was living in North Carolina, I used to ask people, do you know how I got a relationship with our pastor like that? And they're like, no. And I said, when I came on staff, there was like this disgruntled group of staffers. They had been there for like 10, 15 years. And they were kind of just like embittered, like pastor, right. pastor Andy doesn't disciple me. Pastor Andy like doesn't pour into me. I've never had lunch with him. We don't go to coffee, you know, just like, just losers you know <laughs> just just like so like oh woe is me yeah. oh just whiny you know and so i immediately you know day one on staff so i went go from nordstrom to this staff meeting i'm like god golly take me back to nordstrom you know right, right, like right. like i'd rather sell women's shoes like these people are just like you know there's about 45 people on staff and there were about like six or seven people who just like oh it was just so negative their narrative the narrative that they had for our pastor was just, oh, he just cares about being on stage. He doesn't care about people. And this is not how the church used to be. And oh, back when the church was 300 people, he was more involved. Da, 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 da. So I made two decisions that day. First of all, do not associate with these staff people. Mm. Like these will just not be the people on staff yeah. that I yeah. will have any kind of relationship with. Number two, I went up to our pastor, uh, our pastor's executive assistant, the woman who ran his office. And I said, her name is Raina. I said, Raina, this is, this is not up for debate. From this moment on, I am the official airport concierge service for our <laughs> pastor. I said, if he's flying anywhere and I find out that somebody else took him to the airport or picked him up from the airport, me and you will have a problem. <laughs> How often does he travel? Two to three times a month. Okay. I promise I will have my car cleaned. I will show up to his house an hour early. I will get him packed if he needs help packing. I'll get his bags into my car and I will drive nice and slow to the airport so I get extra time with our pastors. <laughs> After about six months, I had been discipled more than any of those staff members. All those staff members who were like, I wish you went to lunch with me and I wish you yep. went to coffee with me and wah, wah, wah. Uh, I, I stopped waiting for permission. There was no point where he was ever going to approach me and ask me, 100%. do you want to get coffee with me? Or do you, I put myself in his space and I just believed. I choose to believe you want me around you. I choose to believe if I add value that my presence is something yep. that will never be an issue for you. I choose to believe I can walk into your office anytime. I choose, I choose to believe that. And there are some people, I think the narrative that they told themselves is, oh, if my pastor wants to have a relationship with me, they'll invite me to have... No, you just got to believe you've got access. Until someone tells yep. me, no, Manny, stop barging into this office. Yep. I'm going to be the person who's not just showing up to the office being annoying, but showing up to the house to take you to the airport yep. to serve. Because to, to, if I have to ask you, how can I help you? I'm not help. At some point, I've got to see yes, yes. what you need help with and just show up and do the stuff that you need help with. How did you and I actually have the same like experience here? Like, how, how, is, that, how, how is that possible that I went from women's shoes 
selling women's shoes to drive you and my pastor to the airport. Like, like, are you serious? Oh, 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 100%. My, I was thinking about it. I think the number one way is wise. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we like to think. Um, no, the, I think you're onto something because I I think this is fair. This is being recorded. So this has to be a fair comment. (laughs) I do not know if ever I've been in our church all my life. I've been on our team in some capacity, 20 something years. Yeah. I don't think ever I've sat down with an official mentoring conversation with my pastor. I don't don't think it's happened one time. Absolutely not. No. And, and they're, they're very generous. You know them. They're extremely, they they, they just leak and just pour out wisdom, of course. But for me, it was always just about catching it. It was, so I think it was airport rides. I think it was Saturday night debrief after we had Saturday night service way, way back in the day. You know, it's like just sitting in the corner of those rooms. Yep. And I think those were the moments. Yeah. And, and they were amazing. And you, you just, Sometimes you're learning in those moments. You're you don't even know what you're learning. You're, yeah. you're, God is equipping you in some way that shows up later, and you go, "That's why I was sitting in that room that night. God was yeah. using that space." But in the, at the moment, it felt so normal. It just yeah. felt like I was sitting in a service debrief or yep. driving driving to the airport. Yep. You never know when those when those moments become redemptive. Yep. You know where where God's just sitting there equipping you. You're yep. you're, you're 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 baking in that environment. And you know? I guess there's something. I think there's two things happening in us. And by us, I mean like people on staff and people leading from the second chair. The first one is this desire for like formality. Like I want to have this formal. I want to have a DTR. Let's define the relationship. Like <laughs> you're my pastor. You're discipling me. We meet every Wednesday, and it's nice and it's neat and it's and I just go. Man, I just don't know if that's real life. Like, I just, I just, I just, I, like, life is happening fast. Like, people with real high-level leadership responsibilities are are moving, and you got to get yourself in their space. Yeah, that's number one. Number two, I think there's this desire for like validation. Mm. Like, my pastor sought me out. Mm. My pastor it, yeah. pursued me. My oh yeah, my my leader chose to invest in me and i don't realize that in that is like that there's there's a lot of insecurity there it's like you want to be wanted you like need to be needed instead of just coming from a confident place and just going oh yeah of course i'm gonna put myself in your space okay so we're gonna drill on this for a minute so give anyone listening you know 30 seconds of context here on your story so so you you just you're 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 your parents, you know, for sure, you, you, for you grow, sure. give everybody context. Cause I think you're onto something here with this validation, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This need for approval. Yes. So like my background, my dad was incarcerated for 18 years in Cuba, then immigrated to the States. Um, my, his uncle was actually a drug dealer at the time. My dad got involved, started experimenting with drugs, became an addict, took me to a crack house for the first time when I was five years old. My mom was pregnant with my oldest sister at 12, had her at 13, pregnant with my older brother at 14, had him at 15. So, I mean, poster child for addiction, alcoholism, all my all of my uncles are alcoholics. I've met a lot of my cousins in prison, like through a glass door, like through a glass window. Um, two of my aunts are prostitutes. Like just, I mean- It's wild. Just very, very, very dysfunctional and broken. And so, um, 
one of the first things that I think I had to like get straight is that Pastor Andy is my spiritual dad. He's not my biological father. Mm. And they're, they're, like, if I don't get healed from like the wounds of my dad, I'll carry all. There you go. I'll expect you yeah. to now be dad. I, like, and I just, I didn't have those expectations. Mm. I'm like, I expect you to be a spiritual father in my life. I don't expect, I've gone to therapy, I've gone to counseling, I've gotten healed when it comes to like my biological father, like now, and vice versa. I don't put expectations on my biological father to provide wisdom or like, like dad, what does the Bible say about this? Like I, I'm not expecting that of my earth, my biological right. father, right. but I'm also not expecting of my spiritual dad that you're gonna like come to my games and like, like it's just, there you go. And so often, I remember the first time uh, I sent Pastor Andy, like I preached on a Sunday morning, my first time preaching on a Sunday at World Overcomers. And I went out to the lobby. It's about to age me. I went out to the lobby and I got a DVD, like, because we sold DVDs in the <laughs> oh, lobby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like went to the church bookstore, got my own DVD, paid for they the DVD. They duplicated it in the back yeah, room. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, and, and that was a whole serve team, man. That was a whole volunteer <laughs> oh, yeah. team. Oh, yeah. Burning those DVDs, oh, man, ripping those CDs. So <laughs> I go to the back. I get a DVD. And um, I'm like, I'm going to give this DVD to Pastor Andy. And I'm going to, like, ask him for feedback. But really, I just want him to, like, see the oh, message. Oh, my gosh. Because I think I did a good job. Oh, you know? my gosh. So that's what's going on beneath the surface. But I'm, I'm presenting it as I want feedback. You know, like I need, oh I need feedback, gosh. but really I thought I crushed it. And I was like, I need him to see, I need him to see that I crushed it because there's this thing in me that I want validation. I want applause. I want a, ma a man who's 20 plus years older than me, who's old enough to be my dad to kind of fill in that gap of my earthly father who just missed a bunch of moments. And I remember, um, I, I went to Pastor Andy's house, you know, one of these airport pickups, and I got my DVD, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, hey, Pastor Andy, um, you know, I preached on Sunday, and he's like, yeah, I'm the one that put you on the schedule, like, I <laughs> I know, I know that you preached on Sunday, yeah. and I said, like, hey, like, you know, I just would love some feedback, I got a DVD, you know, of my sermon, like, I'd love some feedback, and he goes, uh, Manny, if I didn't think you were good, you would have never preached on a Sunday. I'm not watching that DVD. And then he grabbed his luggage and went out to the car. And I went, all right, what story am I going to tell myself? Yeah. Am I going to now go wicked and hard man? Like that, oh, he's a hard man. Yeah. Or am I going to go, he's forcing me to heal. Hmm. I'm the one that gets to dictate how... I am going to interpret yeah. this data. What is the story being told here? If I start telling myself the story that these disgruntled staff people are telling themselves, oh, see, he just doesn't want to take the time. What, what else? I mean, what is he doing? He, of course he can watch a DVD. What, like, I, oh, I can, I, can, I can create all kinds of stories for why that moment happened. Mm. The story I chose to go with was he's forcing me to heal. Hmm. He's forcing me to heal. And he heard the request that was beneath the request. 
Wow. The request presented was, can you give me feedback? But the request that was masquerading was, please give me validation. My God. I'm insecure. I want a dad to clap for me. I want someone to, someone to approve of me. And he forced me to like, to get that from God. He forced me and then forced me back into counseling so that I could get healed with some real real dad issues. And it was Pastor Annie's idea that I moved to Dallas. Wow. A lot of people ask me like, do you guys still have a relationship? Like, did you leave well? And I went, how does your pastor feel about you now being at a new church? And I remember Pastor Andy set me down and he said, um, cause for five years, me and my wife struggled with infertility. Yep. And um, Pastor Andy and his wife struggled with infertility for years. Mm. They did IVF like five times. Fail, failure after fail attempt after fail attempt. They finally ended that whole process with a daughter and triplet boys. Mm. I was a youth pastor for these triplet boys. And so Pastor Andy set me down right after my son was born. And he said, I was in your life to help you with this giant, wow. the giant of infertility. He said, now there's a new giant in your life. You just got invited to speak at Elevation. You just got invited to speak at Life Church. You just, I can't give you advice on how to crush it in those environments because I've never fought that giant, but Robert Madu can. Robert Madu has preached in all of those places. I've never had a road ministry or a travel ministry. I've never been itinerant. I helped you get over. I was the person what amazing to help perspective. trek you over this mountain. I'll always be a dad in your life, but you need a new pastor. You need a new coach for the obstacles that are in front of you now. And I believe God is calling you to Dallas, Texas. It was mm. Pastor Andy's idea. It was 100% Pastor Andy's idea. But the relationship never started with, here's my job description, how much are you going to pay me? It never started transactional. It started relational. And when, when, when a, a relationship is founded on relationship, it's actually easy to keep everything kind of neat because now I don't feel like I'm losing a staffer or I'm losing, it's like, no, Manny's a son. And I'm a, I'll always be a son. And I'm a son of the house. I'm a son of that church. And I was sent, which now tells Pastor Robert, I'm not here because I'm bitter. Hmm. I'm not here because I, now there's no pressure on you to be for me what my old pastor wasn't. I'm not coming here with baggage. You don't have to spend six months getting me healed so that I can be effective. I'm not bleeding and, and I'm, I'm not like wounded. I'm like, nope, you can trust me to like, lead well and be healthy and disciple people because I'm coming to you sent from another pastor. And I think in church space, it makes me nervous when it's almost like we're the only industry that doesn't check people's like references. It's mm. like, you know how many times there's a church where an employee has been terrible and they get a new job at a new church and then you want, like you as an outsider, you kind of see the whole thing go down and you want to ask the new church, like, did you call did their you old call? pastor? Yes. Yes. Did you talk to their pastor? Why would you hire anyone? Why would you backdoor hire someone without trying to figure out? Because that person's got a story. 
I worked for a hard man. Whatever their story is, they've got a story. But guess what? Their leader also probably has a story. Mm. And you as the new church, it's not wise. And again, but we're in a HR. Yeah. We're in, we've professionalized ministry. And I think that when there's call and integrity and family, like beginning to be some of these organic words integrated back into church, I think it becomes really natural to pick up a phone and call a pastor because why would I leave behind my pastor's back? Like, like uh, anyway, I know I'm kind of veering off into all types of, you know, <laughs> I'm opening up cans of worms. You are Pandora's box. But anyway, what'd you say in your message last night? You're opening up tabs. We don't have enough time to close <laughs> all the tabs. My We're going to have ADHD, man. I'm just oh, restore all tabs. You're leaving restore us with all pages. You're leaving us with open tabs. My God. Um, you, I've, you know, got to hear you teach this week. We're talking today. Uh, I'm, I'm just thankful for your story. You've mentioned several times throughout all of this. I'm healed. I'm whole. You know, I'm beyond some of the father wounds or, or, how, sure, or how, sure. however you would describe it. And it may not be one, but what was the moment you were in where you found your healing? Like where you got, was it a room? Was it a counselor? Was it a... And again, it might be multiple, but like, like tell take me to the moment where you're like, I'm free and I know I'm free. I know I'm healed. It's funny because like growing up, I would say, man, my, my, the the only issue is my dad. And then I got married and I realized, God dang, my mom. Oh my gosh. So there was always a second wave. Wow. So like, I would say getting into my early 20s like by the time I was married so by the time I was I'd moved to North Carolina I'm 25 years old I'm no longer selling women's shoes I'm on staff at World Overcomers my dad stuff was really like for the most part I would say like 90% dealt with maybe something pops up here and there but like I'm not operating out of dysfunction I'm not operating out of chaos but what I didn't realize is that because my dad was an addict me and my mom begin to form what's what my therapist would call surrogate spouse syndrome where because I was the responsible college grad with a job who's stable I began to provide for my mom a bunch of things that like a spouse would provide right so that's everything from relational security to finances like like and that's a that's actually it's a very common thing especially with single moms their boy, their son, kind of becomes surrogate spouse. And so you don't realize how dysfunctional that is till a wife comes into the picture. And now all of a sudden mom is like, who that? Mm. I see wife now as competition. So I would then say from like 25 to well into my 30s, probably 35, I'm 36 right now, like the next decade was what my therapist would call getting your mom's hooks out of you. Like there's just like, she's got her hooks in you and you can't control the stuff she does, but you can control whether or not her hooks get in you and you can control whether or not what she does affects you and how you respond. So I would say, man, probably like from 15 to 25, I'm really dealing with like dad stuff, hardcore, like allowing male authority into my life. Wow. Going to therapy, like, like 
actively like just restoring masculinity, manhood, redefining those words, like genuinely trying to, you know, navigate, hey, like I, I, I know that there's a generational pattern and a curse here and how do I break it? How do I get free? How do I get whole? Then I would say the next decade, 25 to 35, hmm. is really like, oh boy, here's now this second wave of like mom stuff. Hmm. And um, my thing is, I can't, here's my commitment to every leader I've ever been under. I'm, I'm far from perfect. So I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm flawed. I'm just, I'm just honest. So mm. like, like I'm going to make mistakes. You're just not going to be shocked by them because I'm just going to be <laughs> really, really upfront about like, wow. Hey, like I, I, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm just not going to throw you curveballs. Hmm. Like, so upfront now, maybe part of that's the eight in me. I think eight, eights on the Enneagram are just naturally like, let me tell you all the things that are really bad about me right now. So you can make a decision whether or not you want to reject me. So it's kind of like a preventative, like, it's like a preventative, like, That's hey, amazing. before you cancel me, let me give you all the reasons to cancel me so that now, like, we, we can now move on, you know? It's how I dated as well. It was actually not a bad way to date, <laughs> you know? Instead of sending your agent, just actually go, like, That's yourself, amazing. you know? That's amazing. So I would say, like, in terms of freedom, um, and even, like, practically, right, like, let's say 25 to 30 with my mom that looked like reducing how much we talked that looked like distance that looked like some pretty severe boundaries from 30 on it's looked like reintegrating my mom back into my life that's looked like honoring her that's looked like okay the boundary used to be like the great wall of china now the boundaries like a gate, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, 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 like, right, right. So boundaries are flexible. Mm. Like boundaries aren't these permanent things. Boundaries have to like morph with the relationship because if a boundary does its job, the boundary actually helps. It's the boundary helps to heal both parties. The boundary doesn't do its job if it's like we're not on speaking terms and like the uh, it's it's a boundary. It's anyway, anyway. Uh, does that? I don't know if, is that like, is no, it's is so that, good because okay. we pull stuff into ministry and we pull stuff into our relationship with our pastors and, and we hold yeah. them, we hold them accountable to things that happened to us or were said to us in other contexts and yeah. other relationships. And I, I'm, I, I love that you went to Matthew 25. I've taught on that parable ad nauseum over the years. I mean, I, it, it's, it, it epitomizes second chair leadership to me. Yeah. And I am fascinated by, uh, I knew you to be a hard man. Yeah. I'm fascinated by how do we, God help us never get there. Yeah. As, yeah. as, as second chair leaders. Let me ask you, what's one of my favorite questions to ask to land the plane here? Um, and I'm going to get made fun of for saying land the plane because that came out of COVID, you know, when we all went on Zoom and all my coaching went on Zoom, I found out I'm a land the plane person. Apparently, apparently, well, I say it in every call and I, it's like, I can't help from saying it. Like I, I knew right there, if I say this, I'm going to get made fun of. And I still said it. It's uh, anyways. Um, I, I have no issue with my, that. My wife was snickering at me. Um, 
So we're landing the plane. Here's my last question. Uh, if you're talking to a leader just starting out today, so they're maybe early 20s, they're okay. feeling yeah. called a God. Yeah. Just what would you tell them? What, what's one piece of wisdom you would pass on to a leader just starting into their ministry journey? Humility and confidence is the same thing. Mm. Same thing. They're not opposites. Actually, in low self-esteem and arrogance are the same thing. They're mm. both rooted in pride. Mm. So the person with low self-esteem and the person with arrogance are both full of themselves. Mm. They think they matter. The person with arrogance thinks that their strengths, whatever their accolades are, they think that's the game changer. The person with low self-esteem thinks their weaknesses or their failures is mm. the game changer. Mm. Both people are focused on themselves. Mm. Both people are just like focused on themselves. Whether it's the best parts of themselves or the worst parts of themselves, they're focused on themselves. Which then means only humility unlocks an ability to really be confident. Mm. And sometimes like low self-esteem in church gets branded as humility. It's not. It's Gosh. actually prideful. It's toxic. That's so true. And so when we see people who are genuinely confident, know that that is rooted in real humility. It is only the humble person that can walk into a room with no hangups, mm. with no narrative. Mm. Do the work to be confident and humble. So good. Do that work. Because more than any job you could learn, you being an emotionally intelligent person will launch you further into That's anything so else. That's so good. The best gift you could give your senior pastor is to be emotionally inexpensive. Mm. That's the best gift you can give to your senior pastor is to not be emotionally exhausting. Mm. Now, I'm going to pull on my pastor for all types of stuff. Hey, man, there's a conversation with me and my wife that it just seems like we can't get around. But what I'm not going to do, I'm going to pull. There's nothing wrong with having a need. I'm on the team because God placed me here because there's something in my pastor that, that needs to get deposited in me. They don't have an issue with that. What they have a problem with is assumptions that are founded in the story I've told. What they have an issue with is the emotion, having to say over and over mm. and over, you can trust me. Having to convince you to, you know, that's the stuff. That's right. That, that if, look, I don't care if you, are in video production or graphic design or youth ministry. You can pick up skills. We can teach almost anyone to do anything from masterclass to Theos right. to Arma to, yep. there's a platform to teach you how to do anything. Like skills you can pick up. One of what's rare, people who interact with me with no baggage. Mm. And people who interact with my pastor with no baggage. That I'm I'm not here hearing you, but really I'm putting your words into the brain scrambler. Mm. <laughs> scrambling what you said. You know, a great thing to do on teams is to go, okay, this is what I'm saying. Tell me what you're hearing. Mm, very good. Whatever the distance is between what I'm saying and what you're hearing, that's how emotionally exhaustive you, you are. Mm. If you cannot hear what is being said without scrambling it, scrambling it, 
misinterpreting it, contorting it, putting it through the filter of your pain and your trauma. If, if it, how clean is your filter? Mm. That is a very great very question. Very good. I can't interpret Pastor Robert through what I know about Pastor Andy. I, that, that's not fair. I have to, if the best thing you can do, the best advice I'd give you is do the hard work to be humble so that you can be confident, yeah. so that you can be emotionally inexpensive. Yeah. I, man, I could talk to you all day. I have a feeling this is a conversation that is just going to keep going. So we're just going to have to talk again. That's and, totally and, cool with me. Thank you for investing into leaders. Thank you for investing into our tribe today. We love you. I love you, man. Peace. Well, I'm so thankful you've joined us today for this conversation on the podcast. We're back this fall every Thursday with vital conversations for all of us who lead from the middle. I want to encourage you to subscribe, follow along. Uh, for more information on anything you've heard about today, you can head to leadingsecond.com or uh, follow us on Instagram uh, for regular content there as well. Leading Second, we love you. Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.